If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is brought to you by Mountain Tough and Yeti. A lot of the tactics I talk about here require you to be in top physical shape. So I partnered with Mountain Tough to help get you ready for the mountain. With their science-based hunter-specific training app, you'll get in shape and mentally tough, able to tackle any hunt. Because we really believe this will help you be more successful, as a listener to this podcast, we're giving you six free weeks to get you started. Just use code LIVEWILD. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine and has some of the best products out there, including their just-released 15 and 60 Go Boxes. These are durable, stackable, dust and watertight storage that's great for organizing and transporting all your favorite gear to and from the field. I actually got to test some of these this past season and put them through the paces traveling from hunt to hunt. It kept my stuff accessible and protected. Practical in so many situations, from raft trips down the river to elk camp in the Rockies, it's nearly indestructible, go anywhere storage that's now available. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Live Wild Podcast. So today we're going to be diving into part three of scouting for a hunt. The past few weeks, we looked at learning the area and locating animals within that area. This week, we're going to be taking it a step further and talk about targeting specific animals and looking for the best animal for the tag by really getting an understanding of what's out there. This is for hunters looking to put a tag on a certain age, class, or size of animal. This strategy is really great for those that have a hard-to-draw limited entry unit, but it also works for general areas where you just want to find the most mature animal possible. Now, I recently drew a desert sheep archery tag in the state of Nevada, so a lot of this stuff I'm actually going to be putting to use this season on this particular tag. In this episode, we're going to be looking at the places to find these animals, why this kind of scouting helps you during the season, and what it takes as far as time investment, the tools that help document animals for reference, and then we're also going to touch a little on field judging, and what to do with the information and animals you find, how that translates into the season. But before we do that, I want to share the story of a couple of past hunts where scouting was the difference maker and a few of my plans for this upcoming tag. When I think about scouting for a hunt, there's a lot of hunts that really come to mind. But the one that I think, or the type of hunt for me personally, where scouting makes the biggest difference happens to be archery antelope in Nevada. Now, this is one where I use that tag. There's a lot of different antelope hunts that I've been on. But for me, that's the one where I go and try to target the best antelope I can find because it's waterhole huntable. And so my thought process with that archery tag is go out, find the best antelope possible pre-season, and then target and hunt that one specific animal. It's very specific to a region, a certain animal, and then finding the one that I want to go after. So I, I do that in a couple different ways. Go out, glass a bunch until I find a good antelope, and then find some water nearby. Then I'll actually start to utilize trail cameras and you know let those run in, in Nevada where you have to pull them out by August 1st. I'll let them run during the summer, check them, and then go, okay, here's where I'm going to make my hunt plan so long as there's still water coming in. And then August 1st starts, and that's where I'll sit or set up a blind. I've taken my best antelope this way. I got one, well, actually, a couple years back, I took an antelope that I'd scouted out pre-season, actually found the buck by glassing and then found a water hole nearby, set up some cameras on it and found out that, and actually a bigger buck was coming in, but the one that I wanted had this like interesting coloration in its throat and score wise, I targeted the smaller antelope, but I just liked the way that he looked better. And when it comes to hunting for me, it's, it's, 
I'm the one with the tag. It's my tag. So I want to take what I want the most, right? It's not always about the size. It's just about sometimes the experience or a unique animal. Uh, we did the same thing with my wife's pronghorn tag last year. So she had a Nevada archery antelope tag. She was really excited about it. It was her first antelope tag. And we did a lot, of, uh, quite a bit of scouting, went out, checked a few areas. The area that she had the antelope there were actually I put her in for it because there is one of those areas where it's more arid. And so they're a little bit more tied to water and there's good water sources in the area, but also lower density. So we went out scouting, didn't see a lot of antelope. There's one area where we did see concentrations of antelope. We put some cameras on some water and just couldn't find a really good buck. She didn't care really what antelope it was, but we just wanted to kind of figure out, okay, where's going to be the best place to sit. We were actually more looking for a consistent buck not necessarily the biggest buck, but we figured, well, if we find a good buck that's consistent, that's obviously going to be the one that we're going to hunt. She's pregnant, so <laughs> wanted to make sure that she wasn't just cooking in the blind all day uh, for weeks on end, just waiting for an antelope that waters once a week or something like that. And we ended up right up before the season didn't really have one targeted, but we did have an area where it was getting consistent antelope action. And then through a tip from a friend, we got pointed into this particular guzzler, which is like a water catchment, man-made water source. Got pointed to this other guzzler, went out there, put a camera on it, and sure enough, good buck. It was the best buck that we'd seen in the entire unit as far as we knew about. And he was very consistent or pretty consistent. So we ended up setting up on that particular water, built a blind. It wasn't super ideal, but... We were like 13 yards from the water because the the slope of the hill is pretty steep. Is actually an area where sheep drink, and for some reason these antelope were living in there. So we got set up there, but it was on a guzzler, and there's these rails. So she had to shoot through the rails of the guzzler. It's like a fence to keep horses out. And with the hill, the only place we could put the blind was so close. So I was a little nervous about that, but uh, after two days, it the buck ended up presenting a shot. And she took a really good buck. It was actually better than any antelope that I'd ever taken. And it was one that we essentially scouted out, targeted, and then went in and and hunted that particular antelope. Now, we've done this, you know, not necessarily in the same way, but for different tags throughout the years, especially I really start to focus on scouting when it comes to those once-in-a-lifetime experiences or those once-in-a-lifetime type tags or maybe those those rare opportunities or those good draws where you go, hey, I got the opportunity to find something really good, something better than I might in another area. And so I want to put time into scouting and, and for a couple reasons, find out what kind of animals are in the area and maybe target a specific animal. So with this desert sheep tag that I have, it's an archery tag. And one of my goals is to take a mature desert ram with a bow. So for me, the score isn't necessarily the biggest factor, although the area that I have. So when I started doing the research on this area, there's potential for 170 inch rams, Boone and Crockett type rams come out of this unit. This unit though also has rams with small bases that have a lot of age. So I've seen in checkout summaries, rams that are nine, 10 years old, 12 years old that are score 140 to 150 because they just have smaller bases on them. And so for me personally, I'm just looking for that mature ram, older age class, but I don't really know what's in that unit right now either. So my plan is to go down and start scouting. I'm going to, I think the area is a little bit hard to use trail cameras, but I'll put a couple out just for fun and pull them at the end of the summer just to kind of see what might be in there and then do a lot of glassing and figure out where are the sheep kind of concentrating right now, maybe during the summer, because my hunt is in October, so it'll still be extremely hot where this unit is. So they might be doing some of the same stuff during summer. They also might be doing a little bit of rutting, so they're going to be moving around and not be as consistent. But my goal is going to be to go down there, get some eyes on some sheep, and really build out in my mind what's going to be realistic. What kind of sheep can I be looking for? What age class is out there? What size of ram is out there? And if I happen to find a a giant ram, 
okay, is this a RAM that I can target? Is this a RAM that I can say, okay, opening day, this is the one that I'm looking for. But I'll have a good catalog and know of, okay, these are the sheep in this unit or have been in this unit. This is what I can expect. And when I go in there for opening day, my hunt plan can be set having that pre-knowledge of what's out there. Because if, if you don't scout or if I hadn't known what was there, the antelope hunt for instance, which is very like cut and dry. Here's what's there. Here's whatever. And obviously anything can happen at any point, but having that pre-knowledge allowed us to sit there and say, okay, we could, if a, if a smaller buck comes in, we can pass that up because we know what the potential is for this area. And it helps us be more successful on that targeted animal because we know what's there. Now, my buddy, a, a friend of mine picked up a Nevada tag in a good area but he got it on the first come first serve or as like a return tag and he got it right before the season so he had no time to scout went in set up on a few water holes but every antelope that came in he didn't know is this the biggest one in this area is this the biggest one coming to this particular spot is this the biggest one in this unit or if i wait a little bit longer is something better going to come in so if you're trying to target a specific animal, maybe a specific age class, specific size, for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's a hard to draw tag and you want to target a specific type of animal, then having pre-knowledge of what animals are there, where they're at, or generally where they're hanging gives you a lot more, I don't know, almost like more opportunity for that type of success because in your mind when you've got the tag you know what you can pass with reasonable uh, prediction of what else is out there sometimes it can bite you in the butt for sure but by having that pre-knowledge generally when i've scouted an area and i have that knowledge of bigger animals in there it allows me to hold out a little bit longer it allows me to know what i'm what's capable in that unit and oftentimes i would say more times than not I end up with a better animal than I would have if I didn't have that pre-knowledge. Some of the best deer I've taken have been when I've scouted an area real hard. And to be honest, a lot of the big deer that I've taken haven't been deer that I've found during that scouting process, but it allowed me to know what the potential was and keep an eye out for those type of deer. And then come season time, find a deer that is within that size and age class that I'm looking for because I knew that they were there. I just had to put time into it. And I've done this in general units for elk where I go, I want a six point, maybe, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not always 400 inch bulls. It might be just, Hey, good six points. And so scouting out a general area, I go, Oh, there's a good concentration of the 280 to 300 inch bulls in this particular part of the unit. So it is doable when I go in there for the season, there's been so many hunts where that type of scouting has really paid off and allowed me to take better or more mature animals during the hunting season. So one of the caveats to finding big animals is it takes time. And sometimes you can think about, we're talking about scouting, we're talking about first learning the area, then finding those concentrations of animals, then taking it one step further and finding maybe a specific animal or a specific age class or, or just get an understanding of what animals are in that unit. And it takes time preseason, but it also lets you know what's possible when that season rolls around. So let's say you drew a limited entry tag in a particular unit, or you have a general tag, doesn't really matter. But in the limited entry tag example, you know, you put in for that, a lot of these tags might've taken years to draw. As a, as a hardcore Western hunter guy that lives out West and been doing this my whole life, there's states where I have 20 plus points invested in certain states for certain species. When I draw that tag, I'm expecting maybe a certain type of hunt, but year to year things change. So I want to go into that hunt in the time that I have available, knowing what's realistic, what I can expect. Not every hunt has, you know, world record elk in it. Not every, and honestly, maybe that's not what even what I'm looking for, but I do want to make the most out of a tag for what I'm looking for personally. So people say like, oh, well, you should just, you know, want to take best animal you can or whatever whatever your personal hunting philosophy is or the what you're looking for on that tag that's up to you you know if you have a, a limited entry draw tag and you shoot whatever you want to shoot 
go for it. You know, I'm not going to judge you on what you want to do, but there are hunts where I personally draw a good tag and I think, hey, in sometimes those units, success is not hard to come by. So I kind of add that challenge of saying, well, I want to look for the most mature animal, maybe the biggest animal, one that scores real well. For mule deer, I like to be what I call quote unquote picky for most of the hunt and go, I just want to look for the best buck possible. And then maybe it gets down toward the end of the hunt and I say, okay, I've looked around. I can't find what I'm looking for. I can't find something of this certain size, but I'd be happy with this other deer now start making some stocks. But for me, it's just a way to extend the hunt and really just enjoy that experience, get to understand the area more and maybe not have it come so easy, but it gives you a little bit of an added challenge and it's a lot of fun to do. It's a lot of fun to look around and look over a lot of animals and get invested in your tag and in that unit. But to do that preseason, it does take a little bit of time. So what we're going to talk about today is all the things that I look for when we're, we're talking about finding these bigger animals, when we're talking about generally, let's just classify a big animal. So there's a couple ways you can talk about the maturity of an animal. So a certain age class of animal. You can also talk about a certain score for antlers, Boone and Crockett, Pope and Young score. And so what it takes to grow those type of animals is a few key things. It's first, they have to have the right kind of genetics. And generally those genetics are in certain regions. Now, any area can pop out a giant for sure, but certain areas have more propensity to do so. Now, on top of that, they need good food source. So you could have an area like, let's talk about the the Kaibab in Arizona, renowned deer place. But on dry years, the average score of those deer might be 10, 20 inches, even more smaller on dry years. And then wet years, a lot bigger because those animals have that nutrient to grow those antlers. And then the last factor, age class. So that's the reason that the majority of limited entry units have better antlers or bigger scoring animals is because they're just allowed to get more age class or there's more animals meeting a certain age class of maturity. So when you have all three of those things, then you've got big animals or high scoring animals. Now, how to find those animals, we first kind of break down, well, where do those particular animals live? And the first thing that I focus on is age class. So I'm going, okay, to have all these things, you can have all the right things, but you still need that age class. And especially when we're talking about maybe a a more general unit, where can animals grow old? And that's places that other people aren't hunting or possibly aren't looking, places that are a little bit harder to get into, areas where especially when it comes to places that a lot of people can hunt. If I've got a general tag and I'm looking for the best animals in the unit, I need to look where other people aren't willing to go. And that's the place where you're going to find the age class. I also, in general areas, kind of consider places with lower density because it's harder to find animals. Therefore, not as many people hunt there. Therefore, not as many animals get killed. Therefore, they get older. So therefore, they can have that age class, which with the right age class, then a combination of good feed and that little added bonus of good genetics, boom, you've got your high scoring animal. So those are the things that I, I start to look for. But the reason that I start to look for these better animals in an area isn't necessarily not even always to target one specific animal, although that does happen. You might go into a unit, you go, this, there's this giant deer. I'm going to fixate and try to hunt this one particular buck. I did that for a very long time. I found a, a really good deer in Nevada. I hunted that one buck for over 100 days over the course of three years, and I never took that deer. And during the course of those three years, I didn't take a deer actually and because i was hunting one specific buck and i ended up not getting him but you know that that's another story but what i did do is i did learn a lot about mule deer and and the years after that was very successful hunting mule deer because of what i learned during that course of chasing that one particular buck however looking back i think i don't think i would do anything different but i would know that it's very hard to target one specific animal you have to you have to have like a lot of dedication to that one particular buck. And there was a reason I was targeting that one particular buck because he was of the size that I've never seen again in my life. So that's why I was trying to find that one particular deer. Now that aside, 
one of the reasons that I like to do this type of scouting is it just gives me an idea of what's in that area. So it builds out that realistic picture of what to expect and what's possible. When I start looking for mature animals, when I start targeting specific bucks and really paying attention to the deer that are in that unit. So I've gone from understanding the unit to figuring out where the animals are to now really picking apart the animals and saying like this area has tends to have more mature animals this particular spot has this this is kind of the top end age class that i've seen or size class that i've seen in this area then when i go into the hunt in the season i'm not necessarily wasting time kind of guessing at what i might find i can go in there with these realistic expectations of saying yeah this area the best buck i'd seen during scouting was 170 inch buck there's definitely potential for bigger in here based off of you know the season and the past but maybe with the rain particularly this year and other things this just gives me a good estimation of when i go out there if i see this kind of deer maybe that's the deer that i want to target because that's going to be the best realistic expectation that i can get out of it or i go into an area and i, I start scouting and i start turning up uh, let's say sheep and i go okay i start seeing all these really big mature rams in the unit well, opening day rolls around and, you know, an older sheep that won't score great comes out in front of me and gives me an opportunity. Well, I know in the back of my mind that there's a high likelihood that I'll find another ram that's bigger because I've got that time invested and I've seen these sheep on the hoof. And that's the reason that I like to start targeting mature animals and, and looking for the best animals in the unit early because it gives me that idea of what to look for when the season rolls around and really builds out realistic expectations for what I can expect in that particular unit. So during the scouting, what I like to do is I just like to target that mature animal behavior during those scouting times. And what I'm looking for particularly is quality over quantity. Now you think like, okay, that's great. How does that make sense to me when I'm going out into an area that I'm just starting to learn. And, and a lot of this type of scouting works best when you know an area really well. So you, you start to understand an area, you've hunted it before, maybe you've hunted it with friends or whatever, you can start to really take it up a notch and start to pinpoint specific areas where these type of animals live. But it also involves looking over a lot of animals. So what I like to do when I'm scouting to understand the trophy potential of an area or potentially find a specific animal, I like to pick the times of year and concentrate on those times when the mature animals are easiest to find. So let's talk about mule deer. If I'm scouting for mule deer, I like to scout end of summer, maybe even through August for mule deer when they're in the velvet. The bucks are bachelored up. It allows me to compare a lot of bucks together. Bucks are easier to find because they're out in the open more often. The mornings and evenings are obviously the best time to look for them, but it allows me to kind of say like, okay, the bucks are in a more predictable spot. Generally, they're in that more alpine country. They're higher in elevation. They do go into shade and cover, but they come out and feed in the mornings and evenings. They're feeding a lot more during that time when their antlers are growing. And being bachelored up, it allows me to say like, okay, here's a group of deer. And often when they're bachelored up, sometimes like I consider like birds of a feather often flock together. You'll find like bachelor groups of five-year-old deer together, seven-year-old deer together, and of course a few others mixed in. But sometimes I've noticed during a lot of that late summer, early August scouting, I'll find good age class bucks grouped up together or similar age class bucks grouped up together. So it allows me to like find one group of six, seven deer and look over a lot of bucks at one time and then go, okay, this is what might be a potential in this particular area. Now, if you've got a late rifle hunt, right? How do you translate early season velvet mule deer into that late season hunt? And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Now, if it's elk, I'm going to go and try to target finding elk during the best time of year to find bulls. So there's two times, same kind of deal, bachelored up in the summer and then if I've got a later rifle hunt and I just want to understand what kind of elk are in the area, I would maybe then target during the rut when they're making noise and they can, they're super active so I can get the most out of that scouting time and just understand what kind of bulls are in the area before they get really hard to find. Now, when it comes to, let's say you've got a sheep tag, 
maybe, you know, picking a time of year where, okay, during the summer when they're real tied to water, that could be a really good time. You're same with pronghorn. When they're really tied to water during the summertime, this is a good time to find those animals because they have a certain habit that they're following and they have, they're more patternable. They're easier to find during concentrations. Then when the rut kicks off or something, maybe they're moving around more. So just targeting whatever species it is, whatever area you're in, looking at finding and understanding the animals in that unit during those best times to find them, the easiest time to find those mature animals. I had a buddy that had a sheep tag down in Southern Nevada a few years back. And he's like, okay, we'll start scouting. When should, when should we scout? I was like, we should scout in July and August when in this particular unit, those animals, those sheep are running. We went in there and saw some of the biggest and best rams. Just, it was like ram, 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 ram all over. And they were definitely in that particular unit getting sucked in from areas that were off the unit but it gave him us an idea of the potential he ended up shooting a great ram and then i went back into that particular unit after a coos deer hunt in arizona on my way back up with some friends and i was just gonna be like you know i saw 180 inch ram when i was scouting so i was like let's go back in there after the season was still open and just look around my buddy had actually filled his tag so we went to look around and ran into some hunters and they ended up shooting that 180 inch ram that I saw scouting in July. So, and it's funny because before we went in there, I'm like, let's go, we're going to go in here and we're going to find 180 inch ram. And sure enough, we did. And we got to put our hands on it and help them pack it out. It was an incredible day. You know, it just coincidence and, and good luck and going into the area and happening to be in the same place that something like that was going down. But it really gave us, it gave me an idea of what the potential was in this particular unit because I was checking it out when I had the highest concentration of going to the places where there were ewes. Rams kept coming in and out, and we looked over hunt, probably 120 rams over the course of a couple days when I probably could have gone in there right before the season and it would have seen one third of that amount of rams and had to work a lot harder to find those sheep. So going into an area, at the right time of year for the easiest time to pick out those mature animals makes a big difference when it comes to scouting. Now, when we're talking about targeting specific animals or let's say you've got a a limited entry deer tag and you go, man, I really want a buck that 170 inch buck, or maybe you've got an elk tag or a sheep tag, or this happens a lot with pronghorn where you're like, man, I'd like a Pope and young pronghorn or an 80 inch goat, whatever it is. If you're at that point in hunting and and you're like, hey, I I want a certain size of animal, the best way to kind of understand the animals in the area and really target specific animals, there's a few tools that I use. And that is being able to capture that animal so you can reference it later. And I do that just with my cell phone. And through the spotting scope, I use the MagView adapter. It's just a way to digiscope. I like that one because it doesn't have the thing that I've hated in the past about digiscoping adapters. Your phone, you use it so much in the field, out of the field, in your pocket, out of your pocket. I hated those terrible cases with the big round thing on it that just made it hard to use. So I started using that MagView when it came out. I was like, yeah, this is for me. <laughs> and it's just got like a plate that you put on your normal case. And then when you switch phones or whatever, it's not some crazy expensive cost to upgrade to a different adapter for that. You just, you've got your case, whatever. And then it hooks on to the, the magnet portion that goes on your spotting scope. It's pretty quick, easy, some kind of digiscoping adapter. If you want to just hold it up there, that's great too, but it's a lot harder to film that way. And what I'll do is pretty much most of the deer elk that I see, I'll just get some form of picture, some form of video of them, especially with antelope, pronghorn, sheep, because it allows me to reference it later. And so that makes it like what I can do is I can start to drop pins, add a photo. I'll, I'll pull out my go hunt maps. I'll leave notes. I'll have some photos and other things so I can really reference what animals I saw where, because as you start to scout and you start to forget about where I saw this, where I saw that, oh, this better deer. And and it kind of helps me build a roadmap and a plan, not just for this year, but especially when it comes to general units. 
areas in the future where I, you'll kind of forget, oh, where I saw this particular animal scouting or whatever. But it really starts to build out these stories and these histories of where certain age class animals like to be, where bigger animals tend to hang out. I've noticed over the years hunting a lot of general units that in this, I'll, I'll do a lot of scouting. I'll keep this like kind of record of different animals that I see. And sometimes it'll pay off years down the road where you go, okay, this is where what it allows you to do is kind of pinpoint certain genetics in an area. Certain There's one area where I, I kept taking pictures of these giant, and it could be good or bad. One particular area where uh, limited entry deer area that I guide in, and it traditionally has great bucks in this particular zone for some reason, always turned up good deer. And then I started seeing this giant, I called this buck U2. It just had these giant U-shaped fork and horn. And that buck would run off every other buck during the rut. And over the years, I then started to get this catalog of photos of these giant fork and horns. And that genetic kind of just took over that particular area. So if I wanted to go find a big fork and horn, I knew exactly what canyon to go to. But it started to build out this history of the type of deer and particular areas so by doing that over time if you've got an area that you can hunt multiple seasons in a row it's a really good way to kind of build out and say like this now you understand this is the area that has a certain type of genetic this is you'll start to notice similarities and things of certain bucks or certain elk or certain sheep or certain antelope that you can build out over time and that's just going to give you that added advantage when the season comes around because it's giving you knowledge on where to spend your time most usefully during the season especially if you've got limited time during a, a short window or a short season but having that mag view adapter and, and being able to digiscope and capture those animals is an extreme benefit the other nice part about that is it allows you to kind of get a good estimate of the score and really like analyze that particular animal on the pronghorn hunt with my wife like we set out some trail cameras we got photos of antelope through the spotting scope and we could really break it down and know okay i think this antelope is this big or we can compare this one to that one and do the same thing with deer with sheep with other things it's an also a good way where you can kind of get good estimates and ask other people like hey what do you think about this buck and it's just fun to be able to share some of that stuff now be careful in sharing it with people <laughs> with tags in the same area but it allows you to kind of say like okay oh this particular deer has this trait or this particular sheep looks like this going into that area it gives you that added benefit of looking for something specific my brother Ryan, when he was in college, drew desert sheep tag in Nevada. It happened to be a what's called a PIW tag. So it allowed him to hunt essentially any open unit in the state. And there was a particular unit where we had photos of really good rams. And so we went into that area and we had this reference built out of like, here, we could look for this specific sheep. Now, he ended up not taking one of the sheep they were looking for, but another good ram presented itself, a good opportunity. He took that sheep. Uh, of course, like the day we were leaving, we found that other giant ram, but he was super happy with the ram he took. And, and I'm really glad that it all worked out how it did because somebody else ended up getting that other ram and, and it just worked out great. It was, it was a great hunt. But having that like reference of, okay, this is the type of ram that we're looking for. This is in this area. And I know I've got the reference of it. I've looked at it. I've studied the pictures. Makes a big difference if that's the kind of hunt you're doing or, or looking for a specific animal. Oh, I will mention too, if you guys back, I think it was like Christmas time, I got that MagView adapter and I really liked it. And I mentioned it on the podcast and I didn't know this, but they actually created a code I think if you put my name, if you go to buy one off their website and you put Remy in there, it gives you like a, I don't want to quote it, but like a 15 or 20% discount. I, I thought that was pretty cool that they did that. So just so you guys know, I didn't even know that they did that, but somebody else told me and I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> so, hey, if it's stuff that I like and a company's willing to give you guys a discount for it, might as well, right? So that's just, if you're interested, I really like that adapter out of the ones that I've used. That's definitely been my favorite. I've tried a lot over the years. So just a, that's a little sidebar for you. But anyways, you know, I think the other thing to think about is we talked about a little bit getting out in the field, doing a lot of glassing, looking over a lot of animals, looking at animals 
mature, or where mature animals tend to live. And those are oftentimes those harder to get to places in areas that have very few tags that can be kind of anywhere to be hundred percent honest because they don't have that hunting pressure. There's more age class and everything. And that's why those tags are so coveted and so limited, but in, in harder or easier to get tags, getting off the trail, getting into those pockets, getting into those, those deep spots where people might not be willing to go and where animals can get some age class that might be the difference maker. Now, another thing, and like we talked about previous episode, trail cameras can be controversial, but they can be a really good way to understand what's in the unit while you're not there. I use them on water sources a lot in more arid country. I haven't had a lot of success sometimes with them. Like they, it can actually be a little bit of an art form. One thing you want to do is make sure that it actually is pointing at where you're, where you're at. One of the funny things is on my wife's antelope hunt, there was another trail cam on the water source where we were hunting. And so we had ours set up and they had theirs. And right before the season, I just wanted to see if there was like a different angle of the animal that we were looking at. So I popped the card out and looked at it. And the camera right next to ours had zero pictures of animals and they were actually sheep hunting. So I contacted them and gave them all the photos that we had because I looked, I was like, they had zero photos of animals on a water hole where we had hundreds of photos of animals. So it's just funny. Like you want to make sure that it's set up right. Otherwise you're just kind of spinning your reels or you, you might disregard an area because you go, Oh, I didn't capture anything, but in actuality, animals are coming in. You just had a bad camera or a bad angle on it or whatever. I don't know. A little sidebar, but it can be a really good way to analyze what size of animals are in your area or whatever. I think for when I do the sheep scouting, I am going to put a couple cameras out and it's not necessarily going to be like finding a place to hunt, but it's just going to give me that added knowledge of, okay, when I wasn't there, here's a sheep that came through this particular spot. Okay, and, and it's going to allow me to start comparing a lot of sheep to each other and say, okay, this is what these sheep look like. This is what a sheep with big bases looks like. This is the slight difference in that ram. This is allow me to look over and be like, okay, this ram is seven years old. This ram is nine years old. Oh, there's an old age class of sheep in here. Or I haven't seen anything over five and a half years old. What's going on with this unit? It just allows me to gain intel when I'm not there. And it can be a lot of fun to just go through and gives you something to do. Sometimes you just, in some ways when I'm scouting, I just want to feel like I'm actually doing something. And so the times that I can't be there, it just is an added benefit of, okay, I'm not here, but it makes me feel like I've, I've got some skin in the game still. It's like uh, these things are soaking. Well, I can go back and it gives me something to look forward to when I, when I first get in that unit and go, okay, what was, what was going on here when I wasn't here? And just a little bit of a maybe go, oh, well, you might, you never know what you might find. Go, oh, this one happens to be hanging out here. Now I'm going to start breaking out the glass and see if I can find this particular animal. Is, is there a pattern here that I didn't recognize or, or whatever? So they can be a very, very useful tool. Now, for people who are just like listening, like, okay, well, I'm not the type of like score I don't really understand. Or, or maybe you're just getting into it. It's like, how do you feel judge an animal. And there's a, a few things that I like to do when I, and this could be its own completely separate podcast, but the way that I start to do, like, let's say I'm pronghorn or a mule deer. If I've got one of the reasons that I really like to capture those images of them is it allows me to get good estimates of the score based off of what I'll do is like, I call it a ruler to scale on my computer. So I'll use estimates based off of things off their body, their ear size based on average deer ears in the area, their eyeballs, their eye to nose distance. And then I kind of, I'll put it up on my screen. I'll make almost like a paper ruler, make it for that denomination. was like a mule deer and it's that particular area. They've got eight inch ears or whatever. I kind of go from the inside to the, the tip. And then I'll use that as kind of a ruler to get a good idea of, okay, this, I think this deer scores, whatever, uh, or pronghorn, especially for antelope, we do this a lot, pronghorn, where we can really kind of dissect that image and really just kind of build out a good field estimate for what that animal scores. Now, we're talking about through the glass, like getting good at field judging animals. I think a lot of that just comes from putting your hands on horns and putting some tapes on horns and measuring out 
deer. The way that I do it, I mean, I, I've got to the point with like mule deer and elk, I kind of just, well, actually a lot of animals, almost like rack bracket where I, I've, I've scored enough that I know kind of off of a f- initial estimate, okay, it's probably within this size range and I'm probably within three to four inches. And then I'll really start to analyze and then I start writing down like, okay, I think this time's this long, this time's this long, and then build out a score that way. If this is something you're like, why even do this? <laughs> why am I listening? Because I know everybody's a little bit different. Some people listen to this podcast and they're like, man, I just want to kill my first bull elk. I don't care what it is. And I've shot plenty of raghorn bulls. And then I'll draw a tag and I go, hey, I'm looking for a 350 plus type bull. So every hunt's a little bit different for me. What I'm looking for is a little bit different. So if this is like, you're like, hey, I'd really like to understand how to score mule deer. I drew a really good mule deer tag this year and might not ever draw this tag again. And I'd like to know what I'm looking at. The first thing you do is like find any, score any antler you can. If you've got a buddy that has a bunch of sheds, pull those sheds out, put tapes on them, stand back and look at it and just understand like, okay, this is this size, you know, over the years. I've, I don't know how many tapes I've put on antlers, big and small, just to really build out good estimates of good field judging ability based off of getting my hands and scoring a lot of animals and and understanding how big something is. And it's a lot of fun to do too. So it's fun to just tape up some of the shed antlers that you've got laying around or things that friends have different deer and whatever you can find. If you want to, if you, if you're like, I don't know anything about scoring animals, you can just go Boone and Crockett website, Pope and Young website. They've got score sheets on there. It gives you kind of a good rundown of basics of how to score an animal if you're interested. And then, you know, what it comes down to is find what makes you happy, right? On this particular sheep tag that I have, I really want to take a a desert sheep with my bow. I'm not necessarily looking for the highest scoring ram. I'm sure I'm going to turn up some real good ones during scouting and they're going to get in my mind and that happens all the time. But honestly, my thought, like my estimation of what I'm looking for, I'm looking for a 155 inch desert sheep that has some age to it, you know, eight years old or older. I don't necessarily need the biggest bases or the highest score. I just want a mature ram. And and that's like kind of what I'm going into this hunt looking for and, and knowing that I'll probably start scouting and know, okay, I can bump that up or, or there's definitely more potential out here, but you know, maybe based off of what I find when I'm scouting could determine, you know, how that hunt goes or where I go or what I'm looking for when opening day rolls around. But if I'm scouting and I was like, man, I haven't seen any good Rams and it's hard to turn up sheep, it's going to change kind of what I'm looking for during the season in that unit. But realistically, I, I know that I'm out there looking for whatever I'm looking for and it's for me personally. So I've done this in a lot of areas where I go into a general unit and I go, man, I'd really like to take a, anything with at least six points on one side. And sometimes those are areas that it's hard to kill a raghorn bull. So I look for areas where, oh, here's some pockets during the summer where I found some mature bulls in that 280 to 310 type size range. Now I can target these elk and and those are the elk that I'm looking for this particular season. Next season, I might go into that same unit and just say, hey, scouting that I did last year, I started to turn up. I know where the concentrations of elk are and I'm just looking to fill the freezer. Perfect. Now I know where to go. So that's what scouting and kind of this rundown of this whole scouting series of three parts of taking it from understanding the area to figuring out where the animals are to maybe even targeting specific animals and And it allows you to build out a really good hunt plan. So then we're going to take what we've learned about these particular animals and translate that into the season. And that can be the most difficult part. So the primary purpose of looking for specific animals is to give you that idea of what's possible. Then, you know, sometimes you have to be realistic and say, okay, well, I found this mule deer in August. Uh, It's going to be very hard to find during an, an October season, but I know the general area where this buck was hanging out, and now I can start to extrapolate where are some potential places that this animal might go. One of the biggest mule deer that I ever found during an August scouting season, we ended up, I didn't have a tag, but I took my buddy in there. He had a, an October rifle season tag, and it's hard to find deer in October. And we ended up shooting this buck. It was like just under 200 inches. And it was essentially where I'd last seen him in the summer, but a thousand feet lower elevation in some thicker country 
just kind of in this little pocket, but it was this pocket that we, I kind of assumed it was logical based off where that deer was living all summer. And we went in there and, and turned that big buck up. So there's, you know, a lot of ways that you can look at and say like, okay, this deer or this elk is here. And then if you've got the time to continue to scout, if you've found something you want to lock in on, now you can start to follow that animal and just figure out, okay, here's his patterns. Here's what he's doing. Okay. He, I see him every once in a while on this mountain, but then I'm going to scouting another completely different zone and turn that same elk or deer up. I've done that multiple times where I've been miles away and go, is that the same one? And I'll pull out a picture and go, yeah, oh yeah, look, it's got that weird double throat patch or whatever. Um, or yep, no, those antlers look the same. So that's, that's a way that you can kind of start to build out familiarity with these animals and, and where the, what this animal does. Now, the closer you scout to the season, the more accurate your timing of finding that specific animal again is. So I do like to scout early and, and at the best time to find and understand what age class and what's potential in that area. But if I'm really looking to pinpoint a specific animal, I want to do that a lot closer to the season because it's going to be more accurate representation of what's going to happen during the season when that season kicks off. So I'll often plan a couple of scouting missions. The first one that find those particular animals and, and look at them during the time when it's easiest to find large mature animals. And then I'll go kind of uh, halfway between and then right before and try to see like how things are changing and then adjust my hunt plan accordingly. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that three-part series on scouting. You know, I really like diving into it and I'm excited because I get to do a lot of this stuff this season for one of the tag that means a lot to me. So I'll keep you guys posted on how it's going and hopefully with all things accounted for, I'm just going to do my best to make the most out of that tag. I feel very fortunate to have that opportunity. It's something that I've been dreaming about for a long time. And so I just want to make the most out of that experience. And, and honestly, it's a lot of fun. It's part of the, the hunt for me. It's part of the experience of understanding these animals and learning this particular area and getting out and just being able to uh, look over some sheep. I'm, I'm really excited to kind of do that for this particular tag. And there's a couple other tags that I'm going to try to squeak in a, a day or two here and there to go look around and, and get a little bit of scouting in as well. One particular general unit that I've hunted in the past, I, I, I found a spot last year that I'm like, I got to check this out early in the season for elk. I don't even know if I'll have time to hunt it because I'll be focused on this sheep tag, but I definitely am still going to scout it out and, and just try to learn it a little bit better and maybe target some specific animals in there. And that's a general unit. And then I'll do the same thing in this limited entry sheep tag where I'm the only tag holder for this particular hunt. So I get to go in there and I get to really look it over and understand the area and, and try to find some specific animals that maybe will be in my mind and, and, give me that hunt plan. So when I go in there opening day, I'm like, okay, I've got something that I'm looking for. I know where to go. I'm really excited about this experience. So I, I hope you guys enjoyed the scouting. I got a lot of great feedback on it. If you guys have some hunts that you're scouting for or some things that you're thinking about, feel free as always reach out social media at Remy Warren. Uh, you can watch these, these podcasts now on YouTube. They're a little bit delayed, but I'll be releasing quite a few of them here. And then we're going to try to do it, you know, at least it'll probably be about a week later before the videos come out. But if you're seeing this video and you've got some thing that you're scouting for, drop a comment. If you guys don't subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen, it helps us out a lot. Just click subscribe or whatever it is, wherever you listen. I know everybody uses different podcast apps and other things, but I really do appreciate that. Appreciate that. All the comments, if you drop a comment or a rating, thank you guys so much. I, I definitely take all these things into account and enjoy the feedback. So you can reach out social media. However, I just love hearing from everyone and, and especially love hearing and seeing those success stories. So if you got those, send those over throughout the season. I'm looking forward to that. One of the things, you know, just a couple things to keep you posted on. I talked about a couple weeks ago, Montana Knife Company. If you guys don't subscribe to my email list, go to my website, remywarren.com. 
get on the email list because we're going to do something in the email that's only for people in that email list. And it's going to be really exciting. It's with Montana Knife Company. I've already said too much, but that's going to be coming out here pretty soon. And so it's going to be nowhere else. So if, you, if you're interested in what might be coming out, or you just want to see what's going on. Also, if you don't know, on that email list, I just use that as a way to give you guys stuff. I love, uh, I try to get at least one awesome prize per email. If you get that email, you're automatically entered. And then we just, but there are people that don't check those emails and it's a 10 day. If you don't respond within 10 days, if you're the winner, that's it. And then we'll just redo that prize some other time. So if you guys are on that email, make sure to check those because there I've had three really cool prizes that did not get back. Like must've never opened the email, didn't even know they won. So something to look at and think about. I'm going to be doing a live call-in show. So if you're listening to this podcast Thursday, I'm going to be doing a live call-in show tonight, 5 p.m. We've got a great prize for that as well. I love being able to give stuff to the listeners of this podcast. Those live call-ins are a way that we do that. So one lucky caller is going to walk away with an awesome prize as well. In order to do that, check out my social media. I'll give you the number on there. Uh, Just in case there's any technical difficulties, that's the most live way to regulate that. What you end up doing is you got to call right on time because the lines literally fill up in, it's like as soon as that number hits, whatever time it's going to come on, 5 p.m. Pacific time, dial in and those first 30 people get put into that queue and then you can listen to the podcast while I'm talking to other people on the phone. And then when your question's asked, you just ask your question. And it's a lot of fun. If you haven't noticed this last month, I released a bonus episode. So what I'm going to be doing with these live call-ins is like the second Tuesday of the month, those will probably be posted. So I'm going to add a bonus Tuesday episode to every month. So every we'll still keep every Thursday will be the podcast. And then you're going to start to notice a bonus episode on a random Tuesday of the month. So I hope you guys enjoy that. I think people were asking for some more. People are like, I love the podcast. I'd love more. So I'm going to add one extra podcast a month. So I hope you guys enjoy that. It'll probably be, I'll, I'll probably play these, the live call-ins on the Tuesday show. So that's something to think about as well. Now, as a final parting thought, one of the companies that we talk about a lot and is very integral to the scouting thing is go hunt because they've got their explorer maps. They've got the, the application stuff on insider and they've also got their gear store, which can help you gear up for a lot of the hunts coming up this season. As always, you can use code live wild. If you use code live wild on insider, you get the maps, you get the application stuff. Honestly, like I can say from experience and drawing some really great tags this season, going through the statistics and really building out that hunt plan and looking at certain areas and maybe trying to find those areas that are overlooked has been such a huge factor for me in pulling tags. You know, I'm able to, to save my points in there. It makes it super easy to just stay like, as if you're going to start applying in States, this is the thing to look at. And this is a very useful tool, but it also has maps that you can scout with and take into the field. And it also has a lot of other benefits of you can get gear points in the gear store and other things. So if you use code live wild on the insider membership, you actually get $50 in the gear store to spend. If you just want the mapping software, the Explorer mapping, you get like $25 or something like that to spend in the gear store. And then as always too, if you're just like, Hey, I want to I'm looking for new gear. Try to use code LIVEWILD in their gear shop. It's probably the only way that you can get a discount on a lot of the gear that's out there. Some of the gear that I use or some of the best gear out there, they never actually have sales on it because they can't even keep up with inventory. But if you use that code, a lot of the stuff you can actually get 10 to 15% discount depending on what it is in the Go Hunt gear shop. So that's something to think about if you guys are interested. Thank you all so much for the support. And until next week, I'm just going to say, scout them out. I liked that ending. It was just, it has that ring. I'll catch you guys later. 